Hello and welcome to the Strange Room Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that is the unmistakable sound of P.P. Arnold there. We've got a new track which is also old. If this were my world that opened today's show from uh, her fantastic album, The Turning Tide, that was released last year, but but actually was recorded in the the late uh, 60s, early 70s and uh, it was a real uh, lost classic. And uh, uh, welcome, uh, shall I call you P.P. or Pat, actually? You can call me Pat. You can call me PP. <laughs> I answer to both. <laughs> Fantastic. I also wanted to touch on uh, you're doing a lot of live shows, and uh, I'm also here to kind of mention Cornbury Festival in July, and you're going on uh, tour to Australia shortly. I am. I'm a real busy bee at the moment, and uh, really excited about uh, all of these festivals that I'm doing. Uh, I, I think you're interviewing me for Cornbury, aren't you, for the Cornbury yeah. Festival? Yeah, really looking mm. forward to that and really looking forward to all the festivals, this whole festival season and and uh, my tour, my first solo tour in Australia. Really looking forward to that. I've uh, been there a couple of times uh, with Roger Waters, but this will be the first time that I'm going to be touring in my own right. So um Really excited about that. And what I've tried to do today, and it's, it's certainly uh, at least half of the show are, are songs that I understand that you do do live, is our opening number, If This Were My World, um, something that you do live? Yeah, I do it live sometimes. It kind of depends on what kind of show I'm doing, you know, because I, I do a lot of uh, Northern Soul kind of things, you know, and uh, uh, people are familiar with that track. I think it's a really important track because uh, uh, I did that. Uh, it was a collaboration with a guy named Caleb Quay, who I, I'm not sure if you were familiar with a band called Hookfoot back in yeah. the 60s. But th- th- this is a, coll- a collaboration with Caleb. And I think it's a, a fabulous song. And, um, you know, it really relates to to the world and what's the politics, what's going on in the world now, you know, how I would like <laughs> the world to be, you know. So I think it's a really lovely song. It's a ballad, and, and of course I have a lot of ballads, so, you know, w- when I'm doing uh, the classics, I, I see you got First Cut is the next one on here, First Cut and Angel, you know, like they're all my classic ballads, and it depends on how much time I have. If I'm doing like a 90-minute set where I can include more ballads, you know, then then I do it because I do think it's an important song. But I, I'm always like kind of like uh, try to do songs that 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 my fans know and they and they they come to hear. But yeah, it's a great song, and I love it. I love singing it as well. And that's why I picked it to, to open today's show. And you, you co-wrote that track with Caleb, didn't you? That's correct. Mm. A song that I guess you you will always do on, on all your live shows is uh, First Cut is the Deepest. And um, I mean, such a wonderful song by Cat Stevens. But was that brought to you by producer Mike Hurst, which was also Cat's producer? It was. It was brought to the table by Mike Hurst, uh, who also produced cat steve he brought it to the table and it just touched my heart string straight away you know because i was a i was a very young girl and i was uh i hadn't really had plans to be a professional singer at all it wasn't it was never an ambition of mine 
And uh, I had, at, at an early age, uh, had the experience of going through uh, an, a very abusive teen marriage. So, you know, that song, you know, related to that first pain in my life. And uh, so, yeah, I really identified with it. I've given you all of my heart But there's someone who's torn it apart And he's taken almost all that I've got But if you wanna try to love again Baby, I'll try to love again came over from the States in that period and went straight into that amazing London music scene. It must have been so exciting. And you were very close to a, a, some of the most prominent artists of that era. Well, yeah, I was, you know, uh, because I came in. I came, uh, I came to uh, the UK with Tina Turner and, you know, we were touring with the Rolling Stones. So, like, you know, like I just 
came right in on the highest level, really, because the Stones were, like, really grooving, and they were so huge and so big. And uh, and uh, it was uh, Andrew Lou Goldham, who was the Stones' manager, that signed me to the immediate record label, which is one of the first independent uh, record labels, uh, early independents in the U.K., and, you know, so there were so many great artists on that label, and we all collaborated with one another. So, yeah, that was that was great. It was really a case of kind of being in the right place at the right time and, you know, a destiny ruling, really, because it definitely I had no plans of ever even just being in the music industry and to suddenly find myself in the UK and staying and becoming a solo artist was at that time with like you say all those great artists and we were all young and talented and enthusiastic and you know it was just a great time the whole revolution was going on so it was yeah it was a great time. A fantastic mix of uh, soul influences, um, which seem to sort of combine forces with you coming over to the States and then then certain artists picking up the influences from the States themselves but turning it into their own, you know, like Steve Marriott of The Small Faces. Yeah, well, Steve was my soul brother, you know. he was. Mm. We were label mates uh, on Immediate together and Steve and I, we just clicked from the minute that we met. You know, so he was my soul brother, and he had that. He loved soul music and the blues and all the R&B. He had been introduced to it through his grandmother, actually. And uh, and he's just such a great, great, great singer, you know. You know, with all that energy and everything he had, he reminded me, the small faces reminded me of my brothers because I grew up singing with my uh, with my siblings. I had four brothers. And, and a sister, and we all grew up singing together in church and everything. But the small faces, they had the same, they're, they're around the same age, and we were all the same age and were the same height. And <laughs> so, and they had that same kind of like uh, mischievous energy, like my brothers. And so, yeah, it was great. Steve and I, we did a lot of great work together, you know, at Immediate. You know, I recorded with them on on a couple of their tunes, The Tin Soldier and, you know, Ichiku Park. And Steve and Ronnie wrote uh, If You Think You're Groovy for me. As well as singing on, uh, on, on the records, you, you, you played some TV shows and went on tour with them? We did. We toured together and, and we toured all over Europe. At that time, it was really an exciting time. You know, like all the all the pop wood, the whole revolution was happening all over Europe. So there was a show called Beat Club, and you probably seen so many videos of so many artists. We all did Beat Club, so so we would go on on tour doing these um, doing these TV tours, do, doing a lot of TV tours, and uh, and then we just toured together just in the UK, just. Just gigging, you know. It was a, it was a busy time. Everybody thinks uh, that it was just like all oh, party. It was like we were working. <laughs> you know, we really worked hard, and there was there was a lot of parties going on. When I first came to the UK, I already had two children. I was I was a young girl, but I already had two children. 
So I had a lot of responsibility. So I didn't party as much as everybody else. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to me, all the gigs, you know, just doing the gigs. All my partying took place, you know, on the stage, really. <laughs> part of that immediate stable of artists you got to collaborate and work with uh, you know a, a lot of those people related to that label um the, the next song I, i've chosen is a would you believe which is a billy nichols track was that andrew's suggestion of recording that one yeah it was it was another song and we were like um kind of working with that whole 
kind of Motown concept, you know, like of all the artists, so many great artists, young artists and writers and producers all under one roof. So, um, so we, you know, we all collaborated with one another and, um, Andrew suggested the Would You Believe track, and you know I didn't have a real vision of who who I was as an artist or anything. I just loved to sing, and it was a beautiful song, and uh, I really loved uh, recording it. Yeah, Would You Believe, really, really lovely track, and Billy Nichols, you know, great writer, great artist, fabulous. to touch on a song that you mentioned briefly which is If You Think You're Groovy which is I guess one of your sort of singles that you're, you're best uh, known for and you were saying that uh, Steve Steve Marriott wrote that for you specifically? That's right Steve and, Steve and Ronnie uh, wrote the song 
they actually uh, wrote another song for me, and then they 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 decided they were going to uh, do it, and they gave me was that Afterglow. Afterglow. They wrote Afterglow song. for me. Steve wrote Afterglow for me, and then they liked it so much they decided to uh, to keep it, and they gave me Groovy, which was quite groovy. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Singles kept coming, and another song that uh, you, you know you went into the charts with is uh, another track that you're so well known for, and it's uh, "Angel of the Morning." It's a Chip Taylor song. I mean, you, that period you were trying to still trying to find your sound, and you became known for these ballads. Yeah, I was just singing. I was just singing. You know, as far as finding my sound and everything, it, 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 it's like uh, 
I guess I had a sound. I realized that I actually had a sound. My my voice has a distinct tone in it. And so I'm a singer. I'm a singer of songs. And, and, uh, you know, it's all about uh, when I'm singing a song, I like to be able to relate to it and, 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 and live it, you know, so expression. You know, and so Angel of the Morning, what a beautiful, beautiful song uh, written by Chip Taylor, who also wrote Wild Thing and just so many other great hits. Yeah, so I was really uh, uh, blessed to have the opportunity to record my version of Angel of the Morning. A lot of uh, art, other artists, another artist, uh, Billy uh Female British oh, yeah. artists had recorded it at the time. Yeah, yeah, there was a few cover covers in that period. Yeah, there were a few covers, and and mine, you know, sort of like really touched the hearts of everybody. And yeah, it's a great song. That song, "Angel of the Morning," and first cut, you know, to have all of these songs as a part of my um, catalog is truly a blessing because they've definitely stood the test of time and I never tire of singing them because they're like such beautiful songs. There'll be no strings to bind your hands Not if my love can't
it's amazing to think back that immediate immediate you know and, and, and andrew and that label kind of just shone so brightly but just for a few years say for about three years or so before before i, I, I don't know i assume it was financial issues kind of brought it down and, and you kind of moved on and started collaborating with barry gibb yeah sort of like had no choice but to move on <laughs> it's like because immediate like uh just kind of like wow one day you know it was the label and the next day they had gone uh bankrupt and everything and and all the artists you know went in all different directions and uh uh, because I was a, an American artist and I was a young girl, I knew nothing about how the music industry worked or I knew nothing about networking. I was never a good hustler. So, so that is, well, I think that's why I had so many problems because I didn't know how to hustle myself. I didn't have that confidence to, to be out there that I was this, that, you know, I really didn't still didn't have that sense of who I was as an artist. Once again, I was just a singer who sang songs and, and, and I was a woman and it, it was just a man's world. And, you know, so I was really at this crossroads and, um, I met Barry through, uh, Jim Morris, who was, uh, who who was my boyfriend at the time, who later became my husband. Uh, Jim worked with uh, Robert Stigwood and worked very closely with uh, with Barry. And Barry liked my version of To Love Somebody, so he asked Jim to introduce me uh, to him. And I met Barry, and, you know, and, and we hit it off. You know, he really, he liked my voice, and he was at a crossroads as well. He had... Um, he had, uh, the Bee Gees had split up for, uh, at the time and, um, and, and he wanted to keep recording and doing things and producing. And so he wrote a lot of songs and asked me to sing them and, uh, connected me with his manager, Robert Stigwood. And I, Robert managed me, uh, for a while. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I signed to the RSO label and, only two songs from that album, uh, from those recordings, that are on the Turning Tide album that was released last year, Bury Me Down by the River and Give a Hand, Take a Hand, they were the only songs that were released from those recordings at the time. Yeah, Bury Me Down by the River, written by Barry and produced, you know, came out on the Polydor label in 1969. It is a lovely combination, you know, certainly in terms of Bury Me Down by the River, Barry and Morris's writing against your stunning vocals. Yeah, the, the gospel, the gospel element of Bury Me Down by the River is just brilliant. You, you know, like, uh, I think it was, it, it's like one of us, what, what to love somebody is also a great song, you know, uh, very soulful to have that kind of gospel kind of influence in it. You know, uh, because the Bee Gees weren't really like, they did that song, they, uh, they recorded Bury Me Down by the River later, after my recording, but yeah, the, mine was the original one. Great song, great song.
Hey, Barry! Yes, love. And it's interesting, you also worked with Eric Clapton and Delaney and Bonnie's band in this period? Yeah, during that period, because, like I said, Barry and I, we recorded, like, so many songs, and, like, it was at a time when the Bee Gees had split up, and, um... And then, you know, the Bee Gees got back together. And, uh, you know, a lot of politics went into the all the music that we had done. You know, uh, Stigwood wasn't really that happy with those recordings at the time. And, and uh, they all got shelved, you know. So uh, then, uh, so after that happened, uh, Stigwood was still uh, managing me. He put me on tour with uh, with Eric. Eric was going uh, on tour with the Delaney and Bonnie. So I opened up the Eric Clapton, Delaney and Bonnie and Friends tour with George Harrison and Billy Preston. I put a band together with some musicians, Ashton Gardner and Dyke. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you remember them, the Resurrection hmm. Shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and Steve Howe, oh, okay. who who was uh, was on guitar with me on that uh, tour, and that was before Yes. So um, yeah, Leslie Duncan and Kay Garner were singing BVs with me on that tour, and we went out on the road and and we had a ball. <laughs> you know, we really had a great time on that tour. And after the tour, I went in the studio with Eric producing. And uh, and we produced some like um, you know still experimenting, still searching, and 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 we just recorded some covers that were like really popular at the time. Van Morrison's "Brand New Day," the Traffic's "Medicated Goo," uh, and and the Stones' "You Can't Always Get What You Want," a couple of other tracks, and yeah, so I had a chance to uh, to work with Eric. Uh, with that great band, uh, the Delaney and Bonnie band, that later became his dominoes, Derek and the Dominoes. So we got uh, Rita Coolidge uh, singing on those tracks as well. Rita Coolidge. Oh, it's Rita on. Yeah, Rita Coolidge is singing on, oh, wow. on Can't Always Get What You Want, Brand New Day, <laughs> uh, wow. Medicated Goo, Doris Troy. Wow. Yeah, we had a good time. <laughs> we had a good time. Where was this? Where, where were you recording the, the material? We recorded at AdVision. We did those tracks at AdVision.
there's so many songs that, that amazing songs that you've sung on over the decades and I could just fill a whole podcast with that, that material I've just uh, only picked uh, one or two songs from other artists that, that you've featured on um, one of those I wanted to ask you about is uh, Nick Drake and uh, Paul Boy and you, you sang uh, backup vocals with Doris Troy in that one that's right, yeah. Doris called me one evening and and asked me to go and do do this session with her. And um, I can't remember where it was. Don't ask me that. <laughs> I don't know where it was. But yeah, next thing I know, she picked me up and we were in the studio. Uh, and it happened to be for Nick Drake, and uh, and we recorded this track. And it was just. You know, I didn't really get to, to to know him well or anything. I just met him that evening, and, you know, he told us what he wanted us to do, and we just went in there and knocked it out. <laughs> and, uh, and it became a really well-known uh, track as a result of that, those, those great vocals that uh, Doris and I laid for the BVs. It was so well. It's a great hook that we that we sang, yeah. Was that Joe Boyd who was producing? That's right, Joe Boyd, that's correct. Let us sing for my supper I never held my Do what is proper For my fair share of labor I'm a poor boy And I'm a rover Count your coins and Throw them over my shoulder I may grow older Nobody knows Nobody sees how shaking my knees. Nobody cares how steep my stairs. And nobody smiles if across the stairs.
Nobody knows how cold it flows, and nobody feels worn down heels. Nobody's eyes can make the skies. Nobody spreads aching heads. continue to kind of link up with Barry certainly in the sort of latter part of uh, of the 70s yeah I lost my daughter and and uh, I went to the states to record an album with uh, with my partner who I was with at the time a guy named Fuzzy Samuels who was a bass player with Cosby Steele's Nash and Young anyway I was like in search of um you know the British invasion all the all the Brits went to America and uh, so, so when that happened, 
uh, after the Clapton sessions uh, and the Bee Gees got back together, Stigwood wasn't really interested in managing me. You know, he he really did it because Barry wanted him to do it. And so uh, I kind of got dropped, <laughs> as you do occasionally, <laughs> from these labels. And, uh, and I didn't really, you know, once again searching for directions, and I really made some bad decisions. You know, so I found myself in L.A. because I was trying to, like, get connected so that I could be a part of the British invasion (laughs) in America. Even though I was an American artist, you know, I was only, you know, my career took place in, in the U.K. working with British producers. And so while I was in L.A., uh uh, working on this uh, project that I thought would hope, hopefully, you know, help me to uh, project in America. I lost my daughter. My daughter was killed in a car accident. It's so sad. Yeah, it was bad, and um, it was very bad. And uh, and 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 Barry found me in L.A. They were there. They came to do the Sergeant Pepper's movie that they were doing at the time. And I got a call from Dick Ashby, and I was invited to the premiere, and so, like, I was reunited with, with Barry and, 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 and the rest of the brothers, and, and Barry sort of suggested that we finish the album that we had started. And um, so, you know, he said, you know, that he had moved to Miami, you know, and he sort of said if I came to Miami, we could you know, like do some recordings and finish the album. So, you know, like that, that, that was really uplifting for me because it was a really hard time for me. So I went to Miami and um, more politics took place. I think the brothers like split up again for a minute. There were lots of stuff going on. And then there was just so much going on with the Bee Gees and, and they were doing, uh, then they got back together, you know, Saturday night, you know, they just like, they were just mega. And, you know, once they're in America, you know, like so many other like artists more famous than me wanted to work with Barry. And so, you know, that's what he did. I think he he worked with uh, Barbara Streisand. He produced Barbara Streisand and Dionne Warwick after that. But I was first. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he couldn't he couldn't uh finish the project then. So uh Andy he was producing some stuff for Andy. Andy was doing um a greatest hits album, so he suggested that I do Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, the beautiful, beautiful Goffin King uh ballad uh with Andy and, and we did and we recorded that. And I think it's just been released again. It's it, it's uh, Andy has uh, greatest hit, and they're actually using the the duet "Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow" to kind of produce to promote the album. I heard. So uh, Very I think they're giving it out as a free download or something in a promotional thing that they're doing, which is great for me. You know. The, the more people hear that I'm still kicking, you know, the better for me. So uh, it's a beautiful ballad. Yeah, I would is. have loved to have got the license to that and, and been able to um, to use it uh, 
just myself on an album for myself, but I'm just glad that it's been released.
in the 1980s you came back over to the UK and you, you it was quite a period where you you know you had a lot of material out and uh, quite you know quite a bit of success as well well you know success uh, I had a lot of stuff you know what I did I came back on roller skates <laughs> really oh starlight I had uh, recorded uh, on the uh, with Andrew uh, Lloyd Webber for the Jesus Christ Superstar album uh, I, I did a lot of recording on that album. Uh, Doris and Madeline and I, you know, we we did those real kind of like gospel stuff on top of all the other kind of vocals. So we did a lot of work on on that album. And I knew Andrew, and and I was told that he was auditioning for um, Starlight Express, and I did an audition. So I did Starlight, and I came back, and then people realized that I was back in the UK. So I started getting a lot of um, uh, opportunities uh, came my way. Tin Records, I signed with Tin Records for a while and did quite a few soundtracks uh, while I was there. Uh, soundtracks for films. I, I, I uh, also had the opportunity to work with uh, Dexter Wanzell, and the loose ends guys, they they were all happening then. So I did, you know, that that whole Nick Martinelli, all those sort of like dance sort of mixes that they were all doing. But uh, Dexter produced uh, the track "A Little Pain" that I did, and uh, and I also uh, did "Electric Dreams" for the Electric Electric Dreams film soundtrack. Worked with Boy George on that. Did a lot of stuff, Kane Gang. You know, I, I channeled Mavis for the Kane Gang. <laughs> yeah, and that was yeah. And then um, got a call from um, Peter Gabriel. I was uh, uh, got a session to work on the, on that So album with Peter. So yeah, things were like going going well for me. I was getting back in into the mix again, and then I had a very bad accident. And so that took me out of the loop for a while. And uh, and then, you know, another decade was there. So I <laughs> became a part of the whole dance scene and everything. And that's a whole nother story. Tell me, boy, do you have room in your For the computer
do keep coming back, and, and you're kind of linked with so many different genres and scenes. And uh, by the '90s, and and you know the the, the mod scene, and uh, I guess what's now known as Britpop came in, and a lot of artists were looking back to the '60s, to the Small Faces, to yourself. You know, you found a whole new audience in the '90s. Yeah, I sure did. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, <laughs> because I was really, you know, like I'm, you know, since the seventies, I haven't, I haven't, uh, well, that short term time I had at uh, Tin Records in the eighties, uh, but you know, I've been an independent artist. You know, I've just been on my own without management, and um, I always say God has been my manager. <laughs> You know, and that the unexpected rules because, you know, just prayer and through prayer and, 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 and keeping the faith, you know, I've, I've been blessed to have uh, many opportunities. People want to collaborate. So uh, instead of just becoming uh, a backing vocalist, which, you know, I could have done, but by, but but I've done a of work on my own and by that time you know in the beginning it wasn't my ambition to be a solo artist but I became one and and I I didn't really want to go out just as a backing vocalist you know so I started doing collaborations with people you know I call them collaborations you know when when I connected with um with the whole mod scene, as you say, and, and Steve Merritt, I started writing my autobiography, actually. And the minute I started writing about, you know, my time at Immediate and everything, I started getting these phone calls. I also did a, did a musical, Once on This Island, and we were in, uh, in Birmingham, and, and I was called to the stage door, and that's how I met Ocean Color Scene. They were, they were there with, you know, big bouquet of flowers, uh, inviting me to go to their studio, which I couldn't do at that time because it was the last night of our show and, and I was going back to London, but that's how I met them. And so, yeah, meeting up with, with, with Ocean Color Scene and then there was uh, the tribute album to the Small Faces and I was asked to do that track, Understanding, with the Primals with the Primal Scream, and I did that, and then I connected with um, uh, Ocean Color Scene on their Marching Already album and and did a couple of uh, tracks with them, uh, and then I did, a, uh, as well as the duet that we did of It's a Beautiful Thing. And, uh, yeah. And, Another hit, though, for you. Yeah, it was a hit. It was a hit. It was it was it was a pretty big hit. It was a top ten hit, but still, once again, I was without management and things like that, so I didn't get a chance to really like it. It was good for for Ocean Color Scene, and it was a good project for me to do. But I it didn't help regenerate P.P. Arnold solo artists uh, at the time. Sunny.
did some work with uh, Roger on the Muse to Death album. I uh, did that that great track with him, Perfect Sense. But it's such a wonderful song, that. It's so, so good. It really, really, really is. And uh, really, I just saw that Roger's released, uh, put a new video of it up on, on online. I've actually put it on my new website. It's about the song. It, it, it's like a whole other thing. It's very political. But I was really, really, really happy to see that when I did my parts, my monologue, he kept like fading pictures of me in and out of the video, which I was really grateful for. Once again, you know, uh, every time you get credits for what you do, it, it's really nice, you, you know, when people people do that. So, yeah, so uh, that track saved me, actually. Uh, Roger called me and um, asked me to go on tour with him when he was touring uh, the first In the Flesh tours. It's a great, a great uh, live show. Yeah, great, great, great. I'm just so spoiled, you know, after working with Roger. It's, it's really difficult for me putting my gigs together and <laughs> not able to afford all of that great sound and Great sound people, and yeah, I got spoiled, you know, but I... <laughs> so yeah, so uh, I went on tour with Roger, and that, I'll, I'll, you know, the intention was only to do one tour, because I had just put a band together that was, th- that I was just trying to break, and I was getting some good, good, good feedback from. I had done two sellout gigs at the Jazz Cafe with... Um, uh, Chaz Janko uh, on guitar and, and Tony Remy on guitar and some great musicians and I was calling it PP, PP and the Band of Angels and uh, so when Mark Finney called and asked me to do the tour with Roger I, I sort of said oh no thanks but I, I'm just starting to um, to get my own thing together and that that's really the direction I want to go in and then um you know, so and then I decided to. Mark asked me to have a think about it, which I did, and uh, so I thought, well, if I do this one tour with Roger, you know, it would help me to get some uh, some international global exposure, which I'd never had before, uh, just by being with him, and you know, the money, you know, <laughs> first class traveling set, <laughs> really hard to turn it down. So I thought I'd do one tour with Roger and that would be it. But of course I ended up, you know, being on working with Roger for ten years from ninety nine to two thousand and eight, did three in the flesh tours with him and three Dark Side of the Moon tours. So uh when he did tour the wall and he wasn't gonna use any female artists in in a, I, I was really pleased because I thought now is the time for me to to do my own thing again. So it's been a struggle. I've been since that time, 2008, uh, until now. You know, I've been doing various touring myself and then touring with other people, you know, with the Manfreds. I've done a couple of tours with the Manfreds and and, and did a, a really a great soul tour with Gino Washington and Jimmy James and and did a couple of 60s tours and all of that. But I'm really, really, really pleased to just be doing my own tours. You know, the turning tide has definitely turned the tide for me and and given me the opportunity to project uh, as myself once again. So I'm really enjoying doing that. 
My monkey sat on a pile of stone And he stared at the broken bone in his hand The strains of a Viennese quartet rang out across the land back on the garden and set out for the nearest town.
myself where people can go to uh, at pparnold.com where all things of P.P. Arnold are there, all the biography and discography and lots of videos and I got a shop there. I got some t-shirts and stuff if anybody want to buy a (laughs) t-shirt. And I've got, uh, you know, I'm doing downloads of, of, of my music and also downloads of the the album that I did with Dr. Robert that didn't really get a lot of exposure, Five in the Afternoon. I want to play that, Five in the Afternoon. That is a great album, but that, that song, the title song, Five in the Afternoon, a lovely, lovely record, fantastic production. Isn't it a lovely, lovely album? It has a kind of like jazzy kind of vibe happening on it, and we we recorded that here in Spain, up in the mountains, just, just above uh, where I live in, in Montreal. And yeah, so you know, there's there's just so much, you know, there's just so much, and and there's so much to come because uh, Steve Craddock has just produced the next album is coming out this fall. I'll be making an announcement about that uh, in in the next couple of weeks uh, on pp.com and all the, all the social media. Uh, Steve has produced an album. We're calling it the New Adventures of PP Arnold. And it's got some great, great, great songs. It's it's an eclectic mix of lots of different styles, but they all kind of like hang together through my voice and through my tone. And yeah, so it's uh, so it, the beat goes on. <laughs> Face the 
Fourth coin album, you've got you know some amazing artists like Paul Weller, 
That's right. Paul has uh, written a couple of tracks. I've done a couple of his tracks, Shoot, Shoot the Dove, and another track called Picture. And he's uh, actually singing on Picture. He comes in on the end, and and we do a little little thing together on the end of Picture. Yeah, Steve and I have collaborated on, on a couple of songs, and Steve has written songs. I've got some songs on there that I've written with my son. Uh, Kojo Samuel that I first, Kojo and I first did those songs. He, you, you know, he cut his producer's teeth on those songs, actually. They were during the dance period, a song called Hold On To Your Dreams and another uh, track called uh, I Believe. And uh, they, they, they would dance. but the, So they have kind of like a dance groove to them, but Steve is like producing. They're all all live musicians, and we got like kind of like on Hold On To Your Dreams has a really, really cool Afrobeat kind of groove on it. And um, Believing In is just really, really, really lovely. I've written um, a beautiful song uh, in memory of my daughter, I'll Always Remember You. And that that's a beautiful production where that was recorded. Uh, it's a it's an acoustic, uh, very acoustic, with just organ for that was recorded at the Exeter Cathedral with the boy girl choir on it. Very heavenly strings and um, cello, not not strings, just the cello and the harp and uh, acoustic, very acoustic sound. It's, it's is is quite beautiful. We've done uh, um, the thoughts of Woody Guthrie, uh, uh, Bob Dylan tune. And so if, if you can imagine P.P. Arnold kind of doing a Gil Scott Heron <laughs> monologue thing, you know that's that's different. So yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've revisited my song uh, "Though It Hurts Me Badly," which was the first song that I ever did, really that I ever wrote. And uh, that Mick Jagger produced, so Steve has done a great production on that. Like I said, I'll be making a, an announcement at uh, pparnold.com and all the social media in the next couple of weeks, and um, that's about it. So with the new album, you're capitalizing on, on the incredible success of The Turning Tide. I, I want to finish with the title track, The Turning Tide, and I wish you all the best on your forthcoming tours. And uh, I, I really look forward to... Uh, uh, hearing the new album, PP, which you explained so eloquently, and thank you so much. Oh, thank you, thank you for like uh, uh, talking to me, Jason. And yeah, visit pparnold.com. I really, you know, there's a lot. We got a lot of exciting things that are going to be happening there that I can interact with the with the fans. You know, competitions and things going on. So it's all go onwards and upwards. <laughs> My pleasure. Take care. Bye you bye. too. Bye. Thanks. What would I say if you should turn away from me? I do not know.
Show. 